Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I am Brian. Despite the wishes of uh, Vince and some of our listeners, I am back. And uh, with me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are going to talk about DC Comics, specifically the comics released on February... Not February, what the fuck? April 11th, 2018. <laughs> hey, maybe you should go away again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, I don't even know what's wrong with me. Uh, but first, we have a little bit of news. Uh, it was announced since we last recorded that Joel Jones is launching a Catwoman ongoing series monthly starting in July... Yeah, the first issue drops the same day, the Batman wedding issue, Batman number 50 drops, and um, Zach accurately described this earlier as Vince Nip, so Vince will let you start. Uh, Is this your favorite book of all time, or is it tied for your favorite book of all time? Oh my god. It's it's my favorite book of all time. Yeah. I don't don't even need to read it. I don't want to read it, because I don't want to spoil... Mm -hmm. How good I think it's going to be. <laughs> Joel Jones is amazing. This is like the perfect. What got into DC that they made such a good decision with this? I have a comment. You know, there's on only one person that you can thank for this. Uh, Tom King. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Tom King. This wouldn't be possible without your hundred issue <laughs> Batman epic. No, what I was going to say about this is that. If you guys recall, Joel Jones was signed to an exclusive agreement. I want to say it was almost two years ago. I want to say it was right before Supergirl being super started. Mm. And I remember thinking it was very odd because, you know, she did those those issues. And then she said a little bit of Batman here and there. But I just thought, you know, first for someone signed to an exclusive agreement, she really hasn't had that, like, showcase book yet. You know, usually... They sign somebody to an exclusive deal, and they give them some high-profile ongoing or whatever, and she hadn't had that. This is clearly her high-profile moment here, and like you said, it's the perfect pairing of creator and uh, character. Yeah. Um. Oh, man. People have been asking, you know, where's where's Catwoman? Where's Catwoman's solo book? I uh, I couldn't be more thrilled. That oh, can I make a really unpopular opinion? No, I think I'd still rather have Genevieve Valentine's Catwoman than Joelle Jones's Catwoman. Oh, I really I mean, like I mean, that I, run. I like that run a lot, but oh, but. And, and and that's not to knock a book that isn't even out yet. It's just that I I wish the Catwoman was doing more of that stuff and less of being Bruce's fiance. Well, I think that that's what I think this book will have the opportunity to do, to do that a little more, mm-hmm. spread out a little more. But you know, I get with your deep ties to the mafia that you <laughs> preferred the um, Genevieve Valentine Mafia Catwoman. I I get it. Uh. Brilliant. Just brilliant. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if I was actually in witness protection this whole time and you guys didn't know it, but I was the child of a mafioso of some sort? I'm actually Henry Hill Jr. <laughs> Tony So. Tony So. Uh, Selena Kyle. Here comes Selena Kyle. <laughs> Here she comes with her husband, Batman. <laughs> 
the other bit of news uh, is today DC announced a really weird uh, one-shot DC Beach Blanket Bad Guys special. Uh, the, the talent on it is, is pretty insane. It's Paul Dini and uh, Tim Seeley, Shea Fontana, Otto Schmidt, Gabriel Hardman, Carlos De Anda, um, Lee Bermejo. It, it's 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 pretty it's a pretty stacked uh, creative lineup, but it's ten stories that are about essentially supervillains in the summertime. It's it's really weird, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Hot town, summer with the villains. <laughs> Very twisted. I, I wonder if the tone is going to be as silly as the title is. Because if so, I'm way more on board than if they try and make these serious stories in a book called DC Beach Blanket Bad Guys. Yeah. Zach, well, do you have any interest in this? Not a single hint. <laughs> <laughs> I think on the I'm, dreading, I'm dreading having to read it. <laughs> It's like four comics in one. Let's not fool ourselves. You're not going to read this. <laughs> I'll probably try. You know what's going to happen too. You're going to forget that it's coming out, and then you're going to uh-huh. click. You're going to click in the Google Drive, and you're going to see it, and this just like anxiety is going to rush over <laughs> you. Like, uh... um, oh, edit that part out, Brian. I wasn't supposed to say that. That's right. <laughs> um, um, uh, uh. I think that the creative teams that you have here, at least the talent, we don't really know how they're teamed up yet. But I think aside from Lee Bermejo, everybody here, I can see them uh, applying a sort of playfulness, you know? Yeah. Like, Paul Dini definitely can get playful. Tim Seeley, for sure. Shea Fontana. Otto Schmidt's art is very playful. Amanda Connor, the co- I don't know if she's doing anything in the issue, but the cover is obviously going for that. So, yeah, if this if this strikes a, a, a nice light tone, I think I think it could be fun. Tone. <laughs> God damn it! <sighs> All right. Uh, well, let's get into the comics then since we don't have too much more news to talk about. First up is the penultimate issue of Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, number 21. This is written by the Bensons and illustrated by Rose Antonio. And we had talked on the show a few weeks ago when they were announced as the new Green Arrow writers about how we felt that this would be uh, possibly a good fit for them. And then this week they, they brought in um, Ollie a bit into the book and while I liked the Ollie and Diana stuff well enough I did not really care for this issue what did you guys think? did you bother reading it? no <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess we do need you Brian because you didn't read it either? no I did read it it's okay. just that no yeah Zach the mercenary over there. Um, I, you know, this was... Again, it's the same kind of thing I've been saying about this book all along in that it's it's pretty 
passive, passable, low-level, street-level sort of cape comics. You know, it's mm-hmm. not... It's bringing together a lot of characters that I definitely want to see doing something in the DCU. But none of this really feels like it matters all that much. Um... Even when they're trying to do things like establish, uh, uh, like Huntress's backstory and relationships with her, uh, you know, mother or whatever, a little bit more uh, than has been done in the past, it it really doesn't feel all that consequential. Um, but it's not bad, you know. There's nothing. It's not a chore to read it like it is, like Cyborg is, you know? It just continues to be the story for this book. See, this issue felt overly wordy to me. Uh, it just felt like every page had so much dialogue and so many, like, uh, omniscient text boxes going on. I, I, this issue did feel like a chore for me to read. Uh, mm. I, I really didn't enjoy it. I'm also not... Uh, I don't need to see a panel where Helena is uh, vomiting into a sink and her hair is getting in the sink full of vomit. <laughs> don't really need that in a comic. Um, I do want to say that I feel like Roche Antonio... <laughs> do you see that panel now? I do. That's just surprising. Uh, I, I didn't think anything of it. Because <laughs> you love to drape your hair into uh, into sinks full of vomit. Um, well, that's that's what happens every Halloween to me. Understood. Understood. Um, no, I want to say that I think Roger Antonio has... Uh, not not that his work was ever, like, crazy stiff, but I feel like this is one of the looser books he's illustrated, and I, I really enjoyed the expressiveness of the characters. I think that he he really did some nice stuff with the... Um, specifically with Diana's facial expressions. I, I think this was the most expressive and sort of playful she's been in this book. I uh, I really enjoyed that work. But overall... This issue kind of bored me. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's let's jump over to Detective Comics number 978. I keep forgetting, by the way, how close we are to Detective 1000. That'll be next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that seems crazy that we're getting two 1000 issues within a year of each other. Um, but yeah, uh, this is written by James Tynion IV. Illustrated by Javier Fernandez. And, uh, yeah, Zach, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this first. Why don't you tell us what you thought of this issue? I liked this a whole lot. Um, Mostly because of the Javier Fernandez art. Um, If we had to lose Alvarez Martinez early to go work on um, Justice League Dark, I don't think there could have been anyone better than Fernandez to come on. Um, but I'm a sucker for OMAC stuff, (laughs) as you well know. (laughs) Um, and, and there's a part of me that is, you know, maybe like, oh, this is a little overdone. You know, I think back Batman and, and OMAC stuff, um has been done so much, um, you know, between like, uh, around infinite crisis and then, um, 
I guess during Future's End and probably some other times too, but um, whatever, you know, comics are cyclical, tons of flat circle. <laughs> this book is really good. Yeah, it's, uh, I'll, I'm going to echo exactly what you said, Zach. Um, I, it's funny because all the stuff with Ulysses or the general, you know, by the end of this issue, it was like, well, we should have seen this all coming because, because that like Ulysses is the general. It's just that we haven't seen him as the general. He's, he, he's been this like snarky long haired kid, you know? And by the end, there's the villain turn and, you know, that we should have seen coming. We should have seen, like you said, like, this is all cyclical. We should have seen this all coming. And yet I feel like the way that Tinyan set it all up and knocked it down was just perfect. And this was just a perfectly paced issue for me in that way. Uh, Brian, before I let you talk, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to, uh, keep our listeners out of the nut face game anymore i'm aware so so i'm gonna let them in on the nut face here on the very last page okay let me scroll tim's tim's transforming into omax <laughs> yeah that's absolutely <laughs> <laughs> that's a scary one yeah. it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, I, I I'm not gonna disagree with you guys too much. I really did enjoy this issue. I will say I felt the first half of the issue was a little bit oddly paced. It really picked up for me about halfway through, but in the beginning of the issue, I, it did feel a little bit awkward to me. I don't know if it was just the sort of jumping between the different like points in the narrative or whatever. It didn't flow as smoothly as I feel like some other um detective stories have but that's that's a relatively minor complaint especially because the back half of this issue absolutely killed it and i i'm really i'm really sad to see tynan go off this book uh i i know that he's when all said and done he'll have been on the book for two years and that's probably about as much as anybody should do a comic if you're thinking about you know keeping things fresh and all that but I just I love his approach to the Bat family, and I hope that some of these characters wind up elsewhere, you know, sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, sh- I should mention this too. We had talked about this a while back with um, with Brian Hill writing those five issues of Detective, and then Snyder teasing at WonderCon that they were going to do something with Brian Hill uh, in the future. The uh, cover for I want to say it's the third issue of his arc just was released today, and Katana is on it, which leads to even oh. more outsiders uh, speculation there. So mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, uh, I-, I think you're gonna see the new outsiders being uh, Black Lightning, Duke, Cass, and Katana, and hopefully Geo Nice. I'm really riding this Geoforce train hard. I mean, you, you kind of have to have him, I feel like. Uh, possibly. I, I, I would say that I thought Metamorpho was a character you have to have, but I don't see the Terrifics wrapping up in time to have him uh, there, and I feel like uh, 
the Terrifics is probably there's probably not room for two Metamorpho team books on the stands right now. No, you're right. I um I could see Geoforce maybe not being in the book initially, but coming in later. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that the uh, one of the interesting themes of, of DC over the next year or two it seems to be that they're really doubling down on the idea of teams and the teams being important again. And so I'm interested to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, this book is good. Uh, it it it's so good. In fact, I didn't even have to wash the taste of Future Send out of my mouth the way I normally do. <laughs> when OMAC stuff comes up nowadays. So, yeah, fun stuff. Let's talk about Eternity Girl, number two, written by Mags Visaggio, illustrated by Sonny Liu. Vince, I know you're a, uh, a big, big fan of Mags, and uh, and that you love the first issue of this quite a bit. What do you think of the second issue? Oh, yeah, I love this book. Um, it's just operating on some entirely different level than than most books published by you know big two companies do and um i'm not even sure i 100 percent understand what's going on all the time but uh, oh i know i don't (laughs) yeah but i love it and uh yeah it's just it's it's just so surprising emotionally uh how invested i am in this um, I, yeah, um, this is good. I, I felt like I understood this issue a bit better than the first one, and I enjoyed it a lot more, too. Um, I feel like this is the most DC book. Like, I, this book is like the, the DC meta text, almost. Oh, speak on that a little more. Uh, I mean, just the emphasis on, and re- really just kind of like the comic, like the Cape comic meta text when you're dealing with the whole rebirth and um, the, you, the, what they kind of, what, I don't know, how, how did, how was it described? Um, I want to find it because I thought I thought the wording was really really good. Um, yeah, yeah. The the balance section where it's where she's um, the what's her name the atomic woman or something like that. I can't remember the bad the bad lady. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> she says they want it to continue forever. Endless iterations of you burning forever in a twirling fire the size of a thousand galaxies that reignites every time it dies. Which is pretty much comics. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. And we're right along on that ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I thought this issue was fantastic. Yeah, I did too. Everything from that stuff that you're talking about to the the scene at the comedy club. That was um, my favorite sequence. Yeah. Yep. That was really. Um, a nice emotional beat. Uh, it was, it was that sequence was so effective because you're brought in to this woman on stage who's discussing, you know, the problems in her life and, and, and 
being able to joke about it and then then you've got the you've got these characters that are observing it and you know it 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 sort of speaks to uh a person's insecurities but then you can tell that like Caroline's not really um able to cope with her situation in a, in a similar fashion or anything like that, you know, and she's not really enjoying her time there. Uh, I thought that was really well played. Um, this yeah. is the, uh, uh, the first of two issues this week that involved someone in therapy, like a, a scene of someone in therapy. Yeah, that's true. That wasn't this issue, right? I'm not making that up. Isn't, there was a scene where she was, in therapy? I mean, she was in therapy in the first issue. Maybe that's maybe I was thinking of the first issue then. Yeah. yeah. Therapy was a, a leitmotif for this week. I also realized that this is not at all related to anything. That this week had four different books that are blank and the blank. Batgirl <laughs> and the Birds of Prey, Hal, Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps, uh, New Superman, the Justice League of, Canada, of China, and Red Hood and the Outlaws. That's all. Black Lightning and the Outsiders. One of these days. One of these days. No, this was really good. Um, Young Animal continues to scratch the itch I didn't know was itchy. <laughs> I have crabs. Um, let's uh, let's talk about Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number forty-two. Good God, God. Zach and I did. Zach and I did a whole show without going blue like oh, that. Please, right. Please. Nut faces were mentioned in your show. Um, that could mean anything. Sure, it could. Yes, yeah, it was a squirrel with his mouth full of nuts, right? Or the slip nuts. Oh, they're slipping on nuts. Look at them now. They slipped on some nuts. Um, can you guys believe there's been 42 issues of this fucking book? Hal Jordan? Yeah. No, I can't. Uh. Uh-uh. Written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by Ethan Van Skyver. Pretty uh, disappointed about that. Yeah, in my notes for this issue, I wrote the most Van Skyver comic ever. Because <laughs> this is essentially about how Lethal Force is dope. <laughs> and how you just kill anybody you don't agree with. And that's exactly what a Nazi would say. So Well, and... Uh... We had brought this up um, before in like the the like Superman and and Green Lantern stat issues, uh-huh. um, where this first came up, which actually wasn't that. That was in Superman too. Well, no, Superman happened, and then they had the follow up in Hal Jordan, right? I think so. Uh, either and that ended, or the reverse. Yeah, it, yeah, one of the way, and it ended with like Hal and. Clark being like, hey, maybe we should kill people. Nah. Yeah. Um, but I forgot that that had all kind of started with this thing with Tomar Ray. It, mm-hmm. it is Ray, right? Two is the older one. No, uh, yeah. no, I, I think this is I Tomar. I think this is Tomar two, and Tomar Ray is the older one. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I had forgotten that that had all kind of started with that, and that this is a major theme of this volume of Green Lantern, which now I'm just kind of even more mad, <laughs> but um, 
I did read this issue just because I think the Dark Stars are cool. <laughs> <laughs> Even though this totally undoes the Dark Stars? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It will, yeah. There was a time DC was so high on the Dark Stars property that both Jon Stewart and Donna Troy were Dark Stars. I know, let's get that, yeah. I like that, let's do that some more. <laughs> But yeah, this the, comic uh, was disappointing in every way. Go yeah. Ahead, Vince. Yeah. Oh, I, I was just going to also mention that. Remember, there was like a couple issues ago when Hal like was talking to John Stewart, and he's like, "Hey, what? What if we kill? You know, he like brought the killing thing people back up mm-hmm. thing." Yeah. And, and John was like, "Get out of here, Hal." <laughs> it's a really weird direction to take all this in, and I'm not putting any judgment on anyone like i don't think i don't think it's van skyver's doing because he's no, you know the artist not. i would think venditti's writing it and i'm not going to put any judgment on venditti that like that says anything about him i I'm, i i won't do that but uh it's just a weird thing to keep harping on and i'm sure in the end like it's going to be decided like no we're better than that you know or whatever but it just doesn't seem I don't know. This is not... Nobody knows what to do with Hal, and this is not what to do with Hal either, you know? <laughs> but this isn't even about Hal. Like, that's what makes it even more bizarre to me, is that if if they wanted to have Hal struggle... I mean, to be fair, Hal has struggled with Lethal Force before. That's the whole Parallax story, is that right. Hal's entire city was destroyed, and he decided that he couldn't play by the rules anymore because... There had to be retribution for his city. This story's been done with Hal before in a far more interesting way, and that's not even a great comic, but it's just, you know, it's more interesting than this. So what you have here is you have character... Does anybody give a shit about Tomar 2? Like, Tomar Ray is a classic Green Lantern character. Tomar 2 is his son. All right, cool. But what has been done with that character over the years to make you care at all about his betrayal of the green lantern values like it's just it's nothing it's it's ugh 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 um yeah yeah eh. you 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 bring up a good point about how and parallax because the whole time i was thinking how dumb and hypocritical it, it kind of was that how would sit there and and not acknowledge that, I guess. And I mean, I guess the MacGuffin there is like, he wasn't a hundred percent in control or whatever. But you know that that story wall has been tapped so many times. I think we can all agree that he had some blame there. I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And the, the other crime of this book is that it's totally under or misused every other Green Lantern. Like, mm. this is the book that has John, Kyle, and um, Guy as supporting cast members, and they are literally in one page for no real reason. Right. Yeah, it's some weird comedic relief. Um... Yeah, uh, Kyle makes a joke essentially about uh, Guy sticking a thumb up his pooper while they're wrestling. <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> Yep. That's that's what the uh that's what two major Green Lanterns spent this week doing. It's a shame they didn't uh 
make Ethan Manskyver draw that with his weird ass anatomy. The thumb would be like nine <laughs> meters long. <laughs> the thumb would the thumb would have muscles. Yeah. <laughs> If we named our episodes, they'd be called The Thumb Would Have Muscles. <laughs> uh, Finn Skyver sucks. He does. Fuck him. Uh, yeah, this book sucks too. Let's let's dive into Justice League of America, number 28. The penultimate issue of this book. Um, written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Hugo Petrus. This is part two of the Dawn of Time arc. Um, So I have a lot of Steve Orlando thoughts this week. And uh, there may be no other writer at DC who I feel like has... I I get the feeling that that a lot of the comics I love, Steve Orlando loves, and vice versa. I, I feel like I should be all in on his DC stuff. But... This issue, while enjoyable, to me is a good example about why I'm not super excited about Orlando on some DC stuff. Because I feel like he's he's taking all of the interest... He's taking a lot of elements that I find interesting, but he's not doing necessarily interesting things with them. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had a question about this issue that I, I felt like maybe I missed something somewhere, but what is the connection between Ray and all the super God? I don't is there know. a connection? Because it, they just seemed rather familiar with each other. Like, like they meet and all calls him, like seems to recognize him. Well, that's spilling over from, isn't that spilling over from the Young Animal crossovers? A little bit. Oh, oh, was he in that? I believe so. You, you might be right. I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think about that either. But I think you're right. He he was. Yeah, I don't think he played like a huge role. If I, I... he was he was mentioned though. We read too many fucking comics. We do, but I think I think you're right, and that makes so much more sense. Okay, thank you. Yep, yep. I like that. That's good. Yeah, I. Uh, my, I don't know. I I like this comic, and yet at the same time, there is something. You know what it's missing for me. What I really loved about Orlando's Midnighter and Midnighter and Apollo was that they did they they did these like big action heavy sequences and they pulled in some lore and some stuff that from the DCU that uh, hasn't been used as much like Extrano, you know, and um, stuff like that and. Uh, Except the entire time, I felt like there was always an emotional core to it. And I think this book has it in drips and drabs, and I think that when it does, it really works for me. Like, I like the Killer Frost stuff a lot more than 
you guys do, I think. But, but that's because I feel like it really – like I do buy the journey. Even if, you, even if you're not that interested in it, I buy the journey that she's on. And I, I think Orlando does a good job with that. But I think a lot of this book is also like pulling these cool, obscure elements that nobody else uses in the DCU and not quite giving them an emotional core, or at least keeping the – keeping the emotional core there, you know? That's mm-hmm. the big difference between this and something like Midnighter. Yeah. Or I... like or or like the or or any of Orlando's like uh creator own stuff, which I think is all great. Um it's just like it's it's almost like in pulling out all this obscure stuff, it's really difficult to it's really difficult to get you to see why it should be featured more often. And it's almost like, well, now I know why we haven't heard from such and such a character right. in a while. Well, I, because I, there's I have, not much there. I, I have two comments on that. First of all, I agree with everything you say. I think part of it is that Orlando has such a deep love for the DC Universe that he has emotional attachments to those characters and those references. So when when he's incorporating those into the work... From a personal level, he probably feels like, oh, this stuff is really important to me. And so when he's writing it, he doesn't need to overdo the emotion because it's there in the in his relationship with those characters and scenarios. But for us who maybe don't have the same emotional attachments, it comes off as just very cold and very... Um, and lacking heart and, and, and connection. That's fair, I think. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I struggle to find things to say about this this book in, in, at this point because I, I feel like I've, uh, I've I've expressed most of my thoughts and my my feelings haven't really changed because the book itself hasn't changed. It continues to kind of do the same things. Albeit and in, in with different trappings. Yeah, Does that makes sense. I will say I really like the way that Hugo Petrus did the the atom sequences in this book, mm-hmm. and and I also really liked the um, that ray move that Batman calls the uh, what is it like <laughs> flash and grab flash and grab. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like the way that was illustrated. Like all all the action stuff in this issue, I thought was handled really really well. Where I come from, a flash and grab gets you uh, thrown in jail for a night. So, I'm talking about exposing yourself, Brian. I figured. I was going to try and make a joke about Terry from Reno 911, but uh, giving out tug jobs behind tacos, 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 tacos. But yeah, yep. I couldn't quite get it out there. So. Yep. <laughs> That's good. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a minute with more DC3 Cast. Marveling at the Movies is a new show on the Multiversity Podcast Network in which I, Alexis, and I, Matthew, force our other friend, Matt, hello, to watch every film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as they lead up to the upcoming Avengers Infinity War. You see, our friend Matt 
Whoa. Has never read a comic book in his life, nor ever had any interest in watching any of these films until Black Panther came out. And even then, I want to note that I just thought Black Panther was cool and really didn't feel like I had to watch any of these other movies. Which is where we came in and decided otherwise for him. <laughs> each episode features us interviewing Matt before and after watching each film, gauging his knowledge of the characters, seeing what he thinks will happen, and what characters he starts rooting for or identifying with. And then mercilessly teasing him afterwards with all of the comic book knowledge, Easter eggs, and other random nonsense that we know and can hold over his head. Cool. So join us every weekday this April for a new episode full of cinematic insight. Fun facts. And I'm here also. <laughs> and we are back to talk about New Superman and the Justice League of China. Uh, twice when I was writing my notes out, I wrote New Superman and the Justice League of Canada. I don't know why. <laughs> no real explanation there. Just, uh... Remember when Jeff Lemire's Justice League United was going to be called Justice League Canada? Now I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do, and I think there were actually a few variant covers that had that. Yes, there were. It was the same variant as... Remember when... <laughs> When DC mm. relaunched Justice League of America, and they said there was going to be a variant for all 50 states, and all it oh. was was the different state flag. Yep. yep. Uh, they, they had one with a Canadian flag for for this. Um, I bought the dang Wisconsin one. Did you really? That's for sure. I did. I probably have the New Jersey one somewhere. But... I remember thinking how lame that was, that, that's how, that they were calling those variants, but it was literally a Photoshop job. Of just changing the flag. Yeah. I mean, it technically is a variant. That's true. Do you remember later when Marvel did 50 um, state variants for U.S. Avengers? Yes. As well? Yep. And every character got, uh, like, represented a state? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Quasar was Wisconsin. <laughs> I want to say Hawkeye was New Jersey. Uh, should, I, should I Google I it? Remember. Yeah, please Google it. Cannonball was Kentucky because he's actually from Kentucky. Hell yeah. Ms. Marvel was New Jersey. Oh, that makes way more sense. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. And who was Minnesota? Jesse the Body Ventura. Oh, Quake. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse Minnesota. the Body. Minnesota. I've read the documents. <laughs> I just think of the impression that from Conan when they would have the uh, the lips moving. Oh yeah, I think of James Adomian's impression. Oh yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Kumail. <laughs> uh, Jesse, the mind Ventura. <laughs> the mind, the body, and the soul. Yeah. Uh, anyway. New Superman and the Justice League of China, written by <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> written by Gene Yang, illustrated by Brent Peoples. Yeah, um, this was an odd issue. I enjoyed it, but it was it was definitely different than what we've seen lately, especially with uh, New Superman uh, transfiguring to, uh, oh. to 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 borrow a biblical term, and then also to to also being all about death. This week's all about heroes wanting to kill people. I believe, mm. I believe you meant you mean to say going Super Saiyan. Yes. Right, Zach. Yeah. Well, actually, I thought he he looked more like a White Lantern. Yeah, he did. But it does actually look more like um, 
more than than Super Saiyan, it looks more like Ultra Instinct from Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm not well versed in Dragon Ball Super yet. How does it feel, well, motherfucker? You're out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm officially the most weeb of this show. You are. We all knew that. You're the you're the weeb assassin. My me my boy Bort Bort Bort. <laughs> Uh, I, I you guys have, will I, never understand the love that I have for I that little ninja boy. No, I don't get it. I don't. <laughs> I uh, I just have to say about this issue: stupid, sexy crustacean samurai fishman. So cool that costume. Very cool design. Eleven out of ten. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I. Th- thought the uh new superman's transcendence was cool um i love you know what the best some of the best books of rebirth are the ones that really have fleshed out the extended cast with with like new heroes and just new you know like DC Rebirth is a focus on the classic elements of DC Comics, I feel, but like the best moments of it are really the new the new things. You know like like the alpaca? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Literally the most twisted thing I've seen. That was yeah. Yes. That was crazy. Tying up not Bane by the neck. What was that character's name? The not Bane one. Uh, uh, Anna, anathema. Uh, yes, anathema. Anathema. Yeah. But the emphasis on the wrong part of the, part of the word. Wrong syllable. Yeah. Yep. Now, th- this was good. Um, I think Brent People's art is. Like, I was actually digging through. One of my short boxes the other day, looking for, um, so a hundred issues of Azrael. Yes, exactly. No, I, I was looking for a um, a specific issue of uh, the Flash. I wanted to to pull a panel for an article I'm working on, and so I was going through my my short box and I pulled out, I guess it was issue like two or three of New Superman, and it's really jarring how much the art style has changed since those early issues. But I think that Brent People's work has has been fitting for the Justice League stuff. Even though I still miss Victor Bogdanovic quite a bit, I think that the the shift in art style sort of works with the shift in story. I don't know how you guys feel. I, I think that's fair. I I really enjoyed how this issue looked. I I miss Bogdanovic a lot, but. This was this was some of the best people's art I think we've gotten in a while. I agree. You're going to be clamoring for uh, the Silencer issue four then. I'm so excited for Silencer issue four. Rock fucking hard. Um, Do you guys really quick something really interesting I just saw about the alpaca while perusing um, DC Wikia. <laughs> Apparently, the alpaca's namesake, the grass mud horse, or the <laughs> I'm not going to try to pronounce that word, um, is a Chinese meme symbolizing freedom of expression and opposition to internet censorship. That's amazing. That is amazing. 
Thank you for that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Gene Luen Yang's really good. Yes, he is. Yeah. By the way, did you guys see that? I, I, again, I read two weeks of the comics in one day, so maybe some of this was last issue. Did you guys see that two different books this week reference future issues of uh, Damage? Yes. Yep. It's very unusual. Yeah. Wait, uh, so what was the other one? There was. Um. um Wonder what Woman? was the one this week? Trinity Titans. I I don't remember which one it Titans. was. Titans. Titans was this week. Flash. Yeah. Supergirl. I don't know. It was Titans. Titans there was this definitely week. too. That damage. He's a mover and shaker. He really is. He really is. Um. Anything else to say about New Superman? Man, I hope it never ends. It's probably yeah. ending at twenty-five. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna be so sad. If it's 25, though, it's going to get one of those extended anniversary issues, isn't it? Maybe. You would think so. That's, they've the, still been the doing that. Yeah. They did it for... Uh, for was the uh, last? JLA, I think, was the last one to get it. Yeah. I'll take it. If that's how it's got to go out, I'll take it. Yeah. What's a shame is that we've seen, like... Uh, a number of the canceled books so far, we've seen those characters pop up elsewhere. I don't see a real natural place for any of these characters to pop up with any regularity, except for Avery in The Flash. Yeah. You know what they should do? What's that? They, sh- they should absolutely do, with the new Justice, they should do a Justice League International and have Kanan Kong in it and, you know, other, not necessarily Asian but, you know, from all over and have Gene Liu and Yang write it if he wants to. Yeah. Batman Japan. I like it. Yeah. Ooh. Who yeah. would you rather have as the bat? You've got Batman Japan, but then you've also got um, the super young team Batman. What's his yeah. name? Yeah, yeah. You know um, I always come back to super young team. You, you do. do, yeah. Yep. It's my favorite. It's your um, safe word. Most excellent super bat. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Most excellent <laughs> super bat. Big Atomic Lantern Boy. <laughs> That's my nickname. Yeah. Yeah. And Brian is crazy shy Lolita Canary. Shiny <laughs> <laughs> happy Aquazon. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, that's fantastic. Oh no, Sunny Sumo is my <laughs> my alias. All right. God damn. Yeah. So good. Uh we need to get back uh if they're gonna do another Justice League International, I really want them to bring back the uh I'm gonna fuck up his name now. The first Batwing of the New Fifty Two. David uh Vimo. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a good idea. Yeah. Man. There are so many, you know, as as undiverse as as comics can be at times, DC has a really good pool of non-American heroes. They do, but they all get, like, 
you know, they get like six issues and then sidelined. It's or the problem. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think who the. Mo- I mean, I guess she's going to be busy leading the Justice League Dark, but I feel like Wonder Woman is not an American hero. And so if you put her as the leader of the Justice League International, you maybe be able to get a little bit more of a run out of it. That's a really good idea, because, I mean, historically, she's the United Nations diplomat character of the Justice League, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say she might have ran the Justice League Europe for a bit. I, I don't know whether that's true or not. I know she ran the JLA for a bit, but I, I, I digress. I think if she was the JLI chairperson, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. You, you digress. I digressy. <laughs> Young Drake. Young Drake. Um, Brian has no idea. I know about, I know about uh, Degrassi. Oh, you do? Yeah. I didn't watch it because I'm a grown-ass man, but, you know, I, I'm aware oh, of wow, it. Wow, well, well, that's, yeah. I talk about Wheels Ontario, the uh, the fake version from Kroll Show. Was it, was, it, was, it, was it Wheels Ontario? Yeah. Where, where, where everybody in the, in the school is in a wheelchair except for the one kid? <laughs> that's problematic. Oh. <laughs> 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 Brian, you're so old, you were watching the kids of Degrassi Street. Sure. <laughs> that, that was the original uh, from the okay. 80s. I believe Degrassi Junior High was the uh, 80s version. Well, the kids from Degrassi Street was like the original, which started in 1979. Okay, okay. And ran into the 80s. And Degrassi Junior High was also in the 80s, yes, but it okay. came later. Thank you very much. And, and, and then it was Zach... rebooted uh, with Christopher Eccleston as the doctor. And... <laughs> uh, imagine what if Drake were the doctor. <laughs> you joke. We're like two regenerations away from Drake as the doctor. Be a ratings grab. Last name doctor, first name the... All right, let's talk about Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 21, written by Scott Lobdell, illustrated by Dexter Soy. This book is still really good somehow. So good. This was dang close to my favorite issue of the week. <laughs> yeah, it's really and it was good. Written, and it was written by Scott Lobdell. In Trump's America, everything really is upside down. I guess. Oh, speaking of Trump's America, did you hear about how Stormy Daniels was in this issue? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a Bleeding Cool article. I didn't read it, but... <laughs> oh, I just saw Jesse it. was paraphrasing a headline you might have misread. Okay, cool. Yes. Got it. Is, is that like Journalistic that's... integrity. Zach Ferguson. <laughs> Are they are they saying that the lady who comes and seduces Jason is supposed that, to that was the thumbnail next to the headline, yes. Oh, okay. Jesus. So just because this person has slightly light hair and breasts, she's Stormy Daniels? Ask, ask Rich, I don't know. I guess. I uh Hang on, let me text Uncle Rich right now. 
I have a flip phone. Okay. I'll wait for him to get back to me. Let me know what he does. Last week's show was so much better. You know, I'm going to quit. You're going to have to learn to fucking edit the show yourself. And and then we'll go from there. I did think it was weird that three or three or four issues of this or three three or four pages of this issue had dealt with a uh the piss tape. I thought that was <laughs> odd. It's real, guys. It's real. Oh, um, it's real and it's spectacular. <laughs> um this issue had so many things that would have appeared so dumb if you just tried to describe them as like out of context like bizarro is going to try and put the moves on artemis that that would sound horrible but the 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 uh the scene totally worked like it was it felt like a a real character moment for both of them the bizarro character has just been so good so so rich so well thought out i'm this is this is another one of those bittersweet stories because you know this is not going to become the status quo for this character Mm-hmm. But man, I'm enjoying it while it lasts. But it has gone on way longer than I ever thought it would have, um, and I'm very thankful for every every issue that we get. I agree. Yeah, it it really did feel like something that was going to be like a one arc and done type thing, and who knew that it would be the plan all along to just keep it going. That's yeah. Pop Pop is back and Yep. He's great. And the mere fact that you call it that is <laughs> <laughs> That joke is copyright one month ago, Brian Salvatore. <laughs> oh, I guess you do contribute to this show, Brian. I swear. You have no idea what you're doing to my fragile ego right now. When, when I'm found hanging by a belt in my bathroom later this week, uh, no, it's your fault, Vince. Just saying. Just saying. Um, I didn't know you liked that sort of thing, but okay. Oh, here we go. I found it. It was a thing. I'm trying desperately to send it to you all. Here we go. I don't want to see it. The, the Bleeding Cool article? Yeah. Oh, boy. Just, just paraphrase it for us. I'm not reading it. I sent you the... <laughs> Stormy Dan, yep. Is that Stormy Daniels? No. <laughs> uh, save, 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 saved you a click. No. <laughs> <laughs> let's just uh, let's move on here. Let's talk about Sideways, number three, written by Dan Dio and Justin Jordan, illustrated by Kenny Rockefort. Um, I want to talk about the end of this issue first. Oh, the end was delightful. Why was that there? That's a good question. Like that—that—that's a classic Peter Parker thing. Yeah, but like, but that didn't happen in Amazing Spider-Man number three. Like, I—I I feel like it may have. I don't know. I—I I feel like the the point. Vince of, would know. Yeah, Vince would know. Actually, that's very true. No, I just feel like the the point of these things of of those little like uh, interludes is to catch people up on the basics of a character. And to sort of fill in little blanks that maybe you wouldn't get if you had only been reading it for a few months. But this is literally the third issue of the series, and it seems grossly inappropriate to recap what just happened. It's 
No, this is totally this is totally like a Spider-Man thing. Mm. Like there used to be there used to be backup pages in the early Amazing Spider, and we're talking about like we are talking about like in the first few issues where Spider-Man would talk to you and he'd like explain his powers and he'd be like, like you literally just saw it in Amazing Fantasy 15 or in Spider-Man number one. And then in the back of like issue three or four or five or whatever, he'd be like, and I have 10 times the strength of a human or something like that. And he'd that's like also, but, but that's pre-internet. That well, I, it, it, I know, it, but they're they're. It's a purposeful callback. You may not like uh, it, but that's what they're going. No, no for. I know. I, I enjoyed it. It just seems like it's ten issues too soon to do it. But but they're not going to get like, ten issues, Brian. Do you, like, there will be five artists. They will get the ten issues. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, sorry, Zach. Go ahead. Oh no, no, you're fine. I was just I was trying to think of like how I wanted to like phrase this, but like, does this not just feel like they had? 16 pages of story and needed to to pad it out. Yeah, yeah. but it it's it's it does feel that way, but I I would have been more skeptical of it if it weren't Kenneth Rockefort doing the art in this too, you know? That is true. Like if it would have been some other artist then it's like, "Oh, they couldn't finish the actual issue." Oh, I well, I didn't mean like in terms of it just seemed like the script like oh. there just wasn't enough material to drag. I mean, I guess they could have dra- drug the story out longer to make it, it fit twenty pages, but yeah, I mean, comics do that all the time, right? Well, like, yeah, they do. You're right. They could have just had more splash pages. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it. it I guess it does feel intentional. Then it for me it added to the charm of a book that I don't like. I'm not crazy about it, but. There's nothing wrong with this book. It's it's derivative, yes. It's not particularly funny or anything, but like it's it's good-natured sense of what it is is not lost on me and I appreciate it on that level. I think it's fun and I I genuinely feel the fun radiating off of the creators in this case it's like the one this and uh the terrifics is like the one there are the two uh new age of heroes books that i really feel like oh the creators are invest really invested in this and having fun with it you know yeah i'll agree with that Mm. yeah I did find it odd that the the villain from this issue I, I can't remember her name already. Um, oh Kill yeah, speed. it was a real bad name. Yeah, Kill Speed. Yeah, because yeah, her speed kills her. Speed right. kills me. Yeah, is yeah. pretty much the exact same design as the silencer. <laughs> mm. Yeah. That's... Also, well, is interesting. Fair, Go ahead, Vince. Oh, I was just gonna say. To be fair, they're just extremely '90s designs. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. But go ahead, Zach. Well, I, th- I thought it was interesting that um, you know it was revealed that she got her powers from the Speed Force storm, and that it said that that happened two years ago, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. I was in it oh, that wow. as well. Um, there's a lot more interplay between these New Age of Heroes books and the the greater DCU than I really expected, which I guess I shouldn't have been surprised 
because they are, you know, DC Universe books, but there's a lot more give and take early on than I expected. It's all pretty inconsequential give and take. It is. It is. (laughs) You're right. You're right. It is. And that's not a criticism. That's just, you know, there's nothing. If you didn't, if you didn't know about the Speed Force Storm, that editor's note would have told you everything you needed to know. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like it's you need to be well versed in Rebirth to get this stu- to get the references. Right, right. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm I'm enjoying Sideways. I, I and I think that Rockefort, I think he is off the next issue or two. But I, I could see of all these artists, I could see him being the one most likely to come back for it another spot. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's still on it. I, th- I think we've oh, really? looked into this. I think he's the only one who hasn't been solicited as off an issue yet. Yeah, he's on four and I think... Okay, he's not on five. That's the first issue. Who's on five instead? Robert Gill? Oh, oh he's, a, he's a valiant guy. He's good. Is he? Okay. Yeah. It, it's funny. This is a bit of a tangent, but uh, I don't know if you guys saw like, most of Valiant's uh, like head office is gone now. Mm-hmm. Their editor in chief just resigned this weekend, and um, I was writing up an article about it. And I went back to an interview I had done with the three sort of architects of Valiant a couple of years ago, and one of the things that they said was that DC and Marvel have talent scouts that essentially are always trying to poach people, and so Valiant puts almost all of their artistic talent under exclusive agreement because what they learned was that. As soon as somebody starts a Valiant book, DC or Marvel poaches them away. <laughs> and uh, if you look like, you know, Clayton Henry just did that Black Lightning series, Robert Gill's taking this over, they're not really wrong. Like, that that definitely does happen. It's just, oh, yeah. Just an interesting anecdote, that's all. Um, also, RIP Valiant being good. Pretty sure it's all going to go away with this. It, for, everything I've heard is really disheartening about the new uh, the new regime over there. Didn't they get bought by a film studio or he, something, and now they own the majority shares and everything and are kind of in creative control? Yeah, and the rumor, and this is purely rumor, although I've heard it from a few people who have done work, who's, who either have done work at Valiant or know folks who have done work at Valiant, is that their interest in the company is purely to create IPs for other media, that mm-hmm. they have almost no interest in the comics anymore. Yeah. And that's a real shame. That's sad. Yeah. Any other sideways notes? No. Mm-mm. All right. I'm guessing I'm the only person who read Suicide Squad. Yeah. That's a bingo. Uh, tell, tell, me if, tell me if this sounds familiar. We're supposed to believe a team member is actually dead this time. Well, I, was a, I was under the impression they all died and never came back. <laughs> yeah. This time it's I saw them Enchantress. blow up, Salvatore. <laughs> uh, this time it's Enchantress. Okay. So. Sure. All right. Mm. I mean, I understand that, like, Rob Williams is doing that intentionally to make this, like, silly and comic booky. But, man, it's just so samey, you know? Yeah. In this issue, Killer Croc is one hundred percent the Hulk. Like they mm. just they just photoshopped a different face on him. He, oh yeah, well, he's, yeah. He's one hundred percent the Hulk. Um, the wall is uh, is in this issue, and he does. 
I don't know, stupid shit. We do get the back of President Donald Trump's head in this issue. Mm-hmm. That's that's where the party is in the yeah. back. <laughs> that's a mullet joke. Um, yeah, nothing else. Or, what, or whatever you call that thing on his head. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing else to say about this garbage comic. P tape. P tape forever. Barney never. Um, that's a deep, deep Simpsons cut right there. Name name the episode, somebody. I don't know. Uh, Marge versus the Monorail was on FFX, FXX the other night. Oh, that's a great episode. No, it was the B Sharps episode. And their first mm-hmm. show they do with Barney, the crowd is chanting, uh, Wiggum forever, Barney never. And yep. then they eventually reverse that. So Baby on board. Something, something, Burt Ward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this thing writes itself. <laughs> One of the best Simpsons episodes. I love that episode so, so much. Um, yeah. All right, Supergirl number 20, last issue, written by Steve Orlando and Jody Hauser, illustrated by Robson Roca. Um, so I have a lot to say about this issue, but I want to hear what you guys have to say first. The the unexpected were pretty unexpected. <laughs> no one expects the unexpected. Or the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. Our chief weapons are surprise. Fear and surprise. Yeah. And what was the other one? I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, An almost fanatical devotion to the Pope, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I believe so. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I'm interested in the fact that you have a lot to say about this because I don't have a lot to say about it other than it's this, like Orlando's other Rebirth book, this book has had highs and lows for me. There have been some really nice issues with a, with a great emotional core. Specifically, I think the very last issue with the non-binary character. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there, there are some, there's some st- stuff in earlier issues dealing with uh supergirl and her like school drama type stuff that i I found enjoyable and and a breath of fresh air but for the most part this book has been all over the place and this issue felt like a huge mess of trying to wrap up the story proper and then also give it like a a send-off in the end yeah and it really didn't it really didn't stick the landing i don't think and i think robson roca's art had a lot to do with that too it, everything about it just kind of felt rushed to me Zach, what do you think i i actually liked this issue a lot i i felt I, I agree with Vince that I think it felt a little rushed, but I really enjoyed how it pulled the cast together. Um, you know, the, pretty much all of the major and even not so major characters from throughout the run got highlighted um, in a really fun and, and special way. And it, it felt like a good capstone for the arc. I mean, for the run. Um, I, I, you know, I mentioned the unexpected stuff. I thought that was really weird because 
when that when that character showed up, the the Norse Viking lady, the judge, mm-hmm. um, when she showed up, I couldn't place where I had seen her before, and I thought maybe it was just a character from earlier in the run that I had forgotten. I had the exact same experience. And so I was just like, what what is what is this? What's happening? And it wasn't until that other character, Neon, showed up at the end, who I instantly recognized um, from the promotional material stuff. And I was like, oh, yes, of course, the unexpected. This is, you know, Orlando teasing his next book. Um, I thought that was weird. I thought that was a really weird way to close out this this run. But I still enjoyed it. So, to me, this was three different books crammed into one issue. I really liked one of them. I have sort of indifferent feelings about one of them, and I really don't like one of them. The, the first book is that this is trying to wrap up the DEO story that I don't think anybody cared about. Like, I love Director Bones. I like all that stuff conceptually, but I don't think that this book has given any real depth or interest to the DEO. And so to wrap up that story, while I understand that the DEO played a large part in this book, I don't think anybody was would have been troubled if the Director Bones story didn't get its resolution. I did not like that part. Uh, I didn't mind so much the unexpected stuff because, like we said, all of these New Age of Heroes books are somewhat connected to a, a DC book or two uh, proper, and so I, I wasn't I wasn't totally opposed to that. It is a little odd that Orlando gave like a quarter of the last issue of a book he's written for 20 issues now to a book that probably will last six and isn't really you know is connected tangentially at best to this book. But the stuff I really liked is the stuff that I think has been the most affecting from this book in the beginning, and that's Kara's relationship with her classmates. I thought that stuff was really, really effective and was nice and gave me hope that maybe we'd see Kara again in the sometime, you know, in the somewhat near future. But I just can't believe that this is that we're in the same place with Supergirl now that we were a year and a half ago, where. There's a hit Supergirl show on TV, and maybe hit's a strong word, but there's a there's a relatively popular Supergirl show on TV, and DC can't figure out what the fuck to do with the character enough to have an ongoing series happen. I don't understand that. It's really, really weird to me. Um, but I think that maybe, maybe if if it's to be done again, maybe the way to do it is to focus on the the Kara side instead of the Supergirl side, because I don't think there's much about Supergirl in particular, you know, the Kara in costume that was great about Orlando's run. Yeah, I think you've said it all. I'll also say, yeah. I, th- I think it's unfair for Orlando that he created a new status quo for Cyborg Superman and then uh, Jan Durgens brought the old Cyborg Superman back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the unexpected is going to go longer than six issues, though. I'll give it twelve. Well, you are an optimist. I, I mean, I totally get why he would do this because I feel like his excitement for that book is probably, you know, 
I'm sure he enjoyed writing Supergirl, but this is kind of the much more of a, I guess, like the closest thing to a creator-owned type situation in the in the DCU, and uh, I feel like his excitement for that book is very high. Um, so I, I can totally see incorporating them here. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, we're now at my favorite book of the week, The Flash, number 44. Huh, interesting. Written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Carmody D.J. Domenico. You think I'm not going to love a double-page spread of The Flash family? Come on. Oh, it was fantastic. All the all all the emotion that exists in my soul wanted to flood out when I saw that page. Oh yeah, this is also the other book with a damage connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, th- this this issue was ridiculously good. I I love that I love that it's a Flash family and it's not exactly the Flash family totally that we know, but it's just as effective as if it would have been, you know, everybody from, like, pre-Flashpoint, you know? Yeah. Like, it's legitimate. It's It feels like an old Flash book, even if it's brand new. And that's kind of what I was talking about with, like, New Superman. The The best parts of Rebirth are, are, are when the new kind of gives you the same feeling that the old stuff did, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the stuff with Wally um, and kind of referencing, you know, Barry's um, almost kind of like Messiah complex that he has all the time throughout the DCU. Um, even though that hasn't really happened in this continuity or whatever, it... um it did feel like it bridged that gap really well. I also like how unabashedly heroic Wally, both Wallys are here, but especially Mm -hmm. the older Wally, like, you know, Barry runs off and without even a beat being wasted, Wally's running after him. Mm. It just, it it seems like I, I was really afraid when Wally came back that he would be the also ran flash that wouldn't necessarily be, uh, as considered an equal to Wally, I mean to Barry rather, and obviously in terms of like books he appears in, and people say the Flash, they still mean Barry and all that. But I think that Williamson has done a really good job showing that he's not just the other Flash, but giving him mm-hmm. actual traits and things that he does that are that are just as heroic and just as important as what Barry's doing. Speaking of other Flashes. Mina's still around. I think I called that. You did. You did. Very nice. But no Godspeed. No. I, I kind of liked the way that they left Godspeed. You know, they left it open for him to come back. They didn't make it clear that he was necessarily reformed or not. Um, you know, a, a good thread to be picked up on later. Yeah, I agree. Did you guys notice that... Um... Let's see, on the 15th page of our PDF, right before that double-page spread, that panel of Barry that says the truth is that we're at our fastest, dot, dot, dot. Uh, that's, that's the cover the cov- of the first issue, yeah. Flash Rebirth, yeah, yeah. It's great. 
Yeah, oh, you're right. Yeah, which is the same thing that uh, Ben Percy and and uh, Juan Ferreira did with their last issue of Green Arrow. You're right. They had the, the it was the reverse because like Ali was smiling or something, but yeah, yeah, but that's cool how they incorporated those back in. Yeah, and I'm really ex- great. Yeah, I'm very excited for where this book goes next. Good, good, good stuff. Let's get to the Immortal Men. Oh, Written boy. by James Tynan and the Fourth, illustrated by Jim Lee and Ryan Benjamin. Is it Ryan Benjamin? Right. Ryan Benjamin. Yeah. It didn't sound right yeah. coming out of my mouth. Um, what the hell is this book, guys? <laughs> it's uh, this is the Inhumans. <laughs> In the continuing Marvel comparison, this is... It's the shitty Inhumans, got it. It's, yeah. Well, also call, also known as the Inhumans. <laughs> oh, I love Oh. Oh. Oh, so uh, much like the Inhumans, this couldn't keep my attention for more than five pages. Right. So wait. This was, this was tough. Is the entire New Age of Heroes just Marvel pastiches? Cause yeah. Because that damages the Hulk. Yeah, um, we've already we've already figured this out. Who is who's sideways? Spider-Man. The silencer, I'm sorry. I meant the silencer. Oh, uh, the Punisher? Punisher. Punisher, sure. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Or maybe maybe like No, nah, yeah, that's it's fine. Punish. It's okay. Punisher. It's Punisher, for sure. They even they even say like in one of the interviews somebody said like I think it was JRJR's. Like we're going for a female Punisher thing. Of course, oh, there you go. He also said it's not PC, and right. uh, you know, old Mother Hubbard. Oh, <laughs> nicely done. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Brimstone is uh, Ghost Rider. Uh, Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. you you really have to wonder if this whole New Age of Heroes thing. The the planning meeting for it was okay. Let's pitch Marvel pastiches, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, the unexpected could probably be like. It feels defenders esque to me, not like the Brian Bendis defenders, but you know, like a like a classic Doctor Strange goofy team. I mean, because the neon guy is clearly Doctor Strange. And you've got a Norse character. You've got wasn't a guy Valkyrie? who could be the Hulk. What, wasn't Valkyrie in uh, Defenders? She was in, She was yeah, she was in that, I think, the Mighty the, Defenders that came after... No, I'm talking like the 70s. Or, oh, really? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't the Mighty. It was the Fear... The, Maybe I'm thinking of something else. What was it? I, there was that thing that came after Fear Itself that she was in. The Fearless Defenders? Maybe that's what it was. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it's all Marvel. I don't know what Challenge of the Unknown would be because they are, like, they're really their own thing. Well, Maybe that's where it breaks down. New challengers. Well, I guess so. Let's <laughs> see what it is. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously the the terrifics was the the terrifics and sideways were the very clearly uh, Marvel 
pastiches because you know, again, damage was a thing before the Immortal Man is kind of a an old DC concept with the with the Immortal Man, you know. But this is this is I don't know what this is. We haven't even talked about the actual issue yet. No, <laughs> mm. it's the most nineties. This is the most Jim Lee that Jim Lee's ever Jim Lee'd. But it's I, only like what. 10% Jim Lee, I actually can't tell. I can't tell either. I think he probably yeah. did, like, breakdowns for the whole thing. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. These designs are just so... Oh, sorry, I'm yawning just talking about this shit. Yeah, don't blame when me. I saw... Yeah. When I saw that, like, um... Fuck, I don't even remember the character's name, but the one with, like, the bloody sword. Yeah. I was like, blood sword, blood sword. It might as well be yeah, blood sword. Yeah. It oh, looks like no, a Liefeld character. Yeah. His name is his name is the Hunt. <laughs> Mike Hunt. You're kidding. You're kidding. <laughs> Jesus, Brian. His <sighs> name was Michael Hunt. What? God. <laughs> oh. No, this is those the closing pages do feel there's that that green glowy energy. I'm get I get like not quite PS, PTSD, but flashbacks to the opening arc of the new Fifty Two Justice League yeah. because of you know Hal was in that so much, and it's the same. It's it's the same effect because it's it's got to be the same. Yeah, it's Sinclair is the. Alex Sinclair is the colorist, yeah. yeah. That's I, a really I, good call. So the guy with the beard that kind of pops up on the subway and all that, mm-hmm. anybody else think that was Vandal Savage? That's who I keep thinking, yeah. I thought that the whole time, and then I was like, it's going to end up not being Vandal. It'll be just like... <laughs> but it's it makes sense, because they talk about how he's uh, lived for... You know, thousands right, yeah, of years or yeah. whatever, and it, yeah, I mean, it seems yeah. like it should be Vandal Savage, and, and, totally and he was un- in metal too. Yeah. So it's going to be a totally unrelated guy named like Randall Savage. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now DC is going to start ripping off themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because there, yeah. there can be no original thought in these New Age of Heroes books. So yeah, they're going to have like a yeah, they're going to have like the. Uh, House of Weirdness, and they're gonna be like, "This is just like House of Mystery." Oh my god! Yeah. Wait, this, that was us. This feels like a a forgotten Wildstorm book. Yeah. What are the odds that it's just some like shit Jim Lee pulled out of his like old file folder from like I never got around to making this image book because I've been working on a. Sketch of Goku for the last ten years. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sketch of Goku. <laughs> was it good, bad? N- no. no. No, it was Sorry, Jim, that was not a good Goku. <laughs> no. Listen, Goku is the most pure and good boy in all of anime and comics and media, and Jim did not do him justice. Mm-mm. I, I don't get this book. It's fine. I don't either, and I, I ah, uh, why is the Batman who laughs in this? Why is the Green Hornet in this? 
Oh, why is there a, a questionable Native American character whose name? Well, her name wasn't Tomahawk, was it? Was it something like? I feel like it was something like that. Whatever happened to Apache Chief? Yenichuk. <laughs> so small. <laughs> um. Really? Not even first thing in the morning? (laughs) Yeah, this is just uh, not good. Let's talk about a comic that is good. Let's move on. Titans number 22? I thought this was good. By Dan Abnett and Paul Pelletier? First of all, I'm really... Pelletier is really rising through the ranks for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this book felt like top tier. Something about the presentation. It almost felt event-esque. It feels like a it feels like another Justice League book, right? It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it really does. It feels like the new Justice came a little bit early by like because the whole thing with the whole thing with New Justice is that the Justice Leagues and the Titans and all these teams are going to be interacting more and and have more of a connection. And I feel like this book has gotten the jump start on that. Yeah. And it you can really tell like yeah, there is like a higher quality to it and Pelletier's killing it and I I really like I really like what they're doing with Roy and Donna in this. Um, yeah, it's a real strong uh, turn for their relationship, I think. The brain is a total bastard. Yep, yep, yep. Really good use of Mala and the brain. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like this a lot. I like the... Okay, I want to keep talking about Pelletier a little bit, though. The fight scene between uh, Cheshire and Roy, the, the, like, punches and kicks that Roy takes, really, you really feel him in the art. Like, he's getting his ass kicked. (laughs) Yeah. I I think Pelletier. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm the only one really excited about this. I mean, I thought the issue was fine. I thought it was pretty good. I I'm not as excited about it as you are. Um, I think Pelletier has been doing really good work at DC for a few years now, and I'm I'm glad that that you think he's he's rising to the ranks. I actually think his uh, his cachet has been down lately in terms of the books he's been working on. Um, I mean, for me, I mean like. Oh okay. I mean, like in my estimation of his talents okay and the ever important v rankings all right go fuck yourself Get, you know what zach what do you say dc2 next week <laughs> as long as it's you guys i'll take the week off no next week's the good week i should have taken this week off uh, um <laughs> so- uh, i do i really like the colors here Adriano Lucas. I'm not familiar. Um, 
with their work, but it I like it a lot here. It's, it's actually uh, good you brought that up, Zach. I feel like the last few weeks there's been a diversity of coloring at, at DC. Like, we, you guys talked last week about that Nightwing issue, and mm-hmm. both that Nightwing issue and the other uh, Kelly and Lansing issue of, the, of Green Arrow, I feel like both of those looked visually very different in part because of their coloring. And I felt that this issue also, the coloring felt very... Um, very classic. Very, the, it seemed a little bit bolder, a little bit more defined. Was, yeah, very vibrant, very a very like wide palette, but it didn't feel garish or anything. Right. Yeah. Um. It actually almost has a quality not unlike something that I would maybe attribute to, maybe like a mid two thousands Jim Lee book. Like I think of something like. Um, um, what, uh, Hush, uh, yeah, something like Hush, like a, a big, marquee mid two thousands DC book. That's interesting. But yeah, I am. I, I'm digging this. I um, I'm very interested to see where the Titans go because we, I would say, of all of the books spinning out of No Justice, we know the least about the Titans thus far. Mm-hmm. So yeah, do we even? I know that it was announced that Abnet was continuing, but we don't know anything outside of that. It's going to be led by Dick and Raven. Dick and Raven with Beast Boy and Steel, and I forget who. The, That's right. Yeah, they mentioned okay. one other character, maybe. Um, but we should have the DC solicits on Monday. Mm-hmm. So maybe that. I one. would. I would love Pelletier to still be on the book. That would be. That'd be great. Yeah. These um, these New Justice books are going to have some crazy, crazy art teams on them. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a really good way. I, I'm still wrapping my head around Sayyik's uh, Justice League... Uh, what's that book called? Odyssey. Odyssey, there we go. Yeah. I keep forgetting the name of that book. I've, I've forgotten that, like every time I think about it. I just want to call it Cosmic Justice League. So... <laughs> Cosmic um, Justice League Odyssey. Yep. Oh man, Cosmic Odyssey. It's a good stuff. Mm-hmm. That Mike Mignola, man. Um, I'm talking about the penultimate issue of Trinity, written by James Robinson, illustrated by Pat Zercher and uh, Tyler Kirkham. You're telling me there's only one more of these? Only one more of them, and it comes out in two weeks, baby. Okay, I can do it. You can do we it. can do it. Get there. Um, Vince, why don't you start us off? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> Zach? I didn't read this. God damn it, guys. I, man, I gotta... I'm usually a pretty... I have been in the past... A, big um backer of patrick zercher uh-huh. his art at least and i just i don't care for this it feels so stiff and kind of weirdly glossy oh man i i like i don't like this art 
You're not wrong. I don't think there's anything too great about this art. Yeah, it's not his best work. You know, the um, the last time I... And it's probably only because the books themselves have been so unmemorable that he's been on since. But the last thing that I really enjoyed that he did was... Uh, uh, <laughs> Justice League versus Suicide Squad, right? Yeah. He drew some of those. Did he? I yeah. don't even remember. Yep, and I thought that was some of his best work. So, like, this this mm. is definitely different. This is definitely... He was on action with Jurgens, wasn't he, for a bit? He did. I didn't care for that either, I don't well, think. I didn't either. I liked him on Future's End. Yeah. Yeah, and I liked that. I I liked the little bit he did on the new Fifty Two Suicide Squad with um, Alish Cott. Mm. Oh yeah, that, that was, was him. great. Okay, yeah. But yeah, uh. yeah, and I just don't care about this like Demos uh, turning Steve Trevor into a Hulk thing. We gotta rescue Steve. I, I don't know. No, it's. I just don't care for this. And I also, I know we've beaten it to death, but I just, I'm reading this dialogue, and I'm just. There's too much like explaining what we're gonna do. Like these three characters are just explaining to one another what their plan is, and it all just sounds so unnatural. There was a really weird bit of dialogue coming out of Batman's mouth in this issue. Uh-huh. Where he's sort of flying above Steve Trevor, uh, you know Hulk Trevor, and he says, um, "I use this gas to combat the Monster Men." An early case, and like that's such that's such a James Robinson Robinson thing to do, right? To reference like an old Batman story, mm-hmm. except that the Monster Men were just used again, like less than two years ago, mm-hmm. and it seems like a really odd thing if Superman was like. I got this from Lex Luthor, my oldest foe. Like, of course he's your <laughs> oldest foe, but we see him every week, so why would you bring that up? Like, it was just a very, very odd... You think someone in editorial would be like, yeah, let's not use that. Let's just cut that out, but... Yeah. Or how about when, like, there's a scene where they're, like, rushing into this palace thing, and Batman goes, and we've still yet to see Demos. And then Superman says, you mentioned Demos. And all of us, and all I can think of is Scarteris and talking with Travis Morgan, and then Batman says, and his daughter, what they said. Yes, <laughs> I was re- I was recalling the same thing. It's like this is I okay. I can picture Adam West saying <laughs> that, like rubbing his chin, but like and his daughter. Yes. Yes. I, well, you know, we do have the running theory that. That this is Adam West yeah, and Frank Miller's yeah. Batman. But... Oh, I don't know. There are actually three Batman as well as three Jokers. We did not talk about the fact that there's going to be a three Jokers book. Yeah, mm-hmm. written by Johns, illustrated by... Um, uh, Faybach. Fuck, yeah, Jason Faybach, yeah. <laughs> as if Doomsday Clock wasn't going to be delayed enough. <laughs> Well, I, I don't think the problem is Jeff Johns shitting out a 20-page script about three Jokers. I think it's, uh... Yeah. Well, the problem is going to be that it's co- it's going to be called Doomsday Clock colon the three Jokers. 
here come the tie-ins. Every promise is broken. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the Jokers is the comedian. Of course. One's the comedian, one's the mime, and... Uh, one's the real dang Joker. Yeah. I, I One is us, we're all the Jokers. Yeah. I was going to say, listeners, anybody out there who has some artistic talent, if you want to draw us as the three Jokers, I... Oh, will... God. I will no. pay you ten American dollars to do that. Wow! 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 Actually, the third Joker is going to be wearing Alan Moore's face. Oh! <laughs> oh. Now that's twisted. <sighs> well, <laughs> what if what if the the whole book of the three Jokers is like you know. We see two Jokers, you know, doing their thing, and then on the last page, a third Joker steps out of the shadows and says, "It is I, Jared Leto." And that's all it is. It just <laughs> it ends there. Uh, make sure you stream my new album. <laughs> yep, my new Thirty Seconds to Mars album. <laughs> Which I believe is just called America. I saw that today. Of course it is. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Well, let's jump from one James Robinson joint to the next. The last three, book wait, of the week. Who are, who are the three Jokers? Dan DiDio, Jim Lee, and Jeff Jones? Uh, anyway, that, that was my joke. I appreciate Wonder, it. Wonder Woman, James Robinson. James Robinson and Emmanuel Lupacchino. A book that does not deserve Lupacchino's art. No. I, I wrote down one compliment I had about this book. Less wordy? No. Oh, that's that's fine, too. I like that Robinson and co. are setting up Diana to be a legitimate threat to Darkseid. I feel like sometimes the only hero who's ever presented as being able to set up Darkseid is Superman. And I like the fact that Diana is being considered in that upper, upper, upper echelon of, of DC heroes in terms of both import and power set that she can be a legitimate foe for Darkseid. That's all I got. Yep. He even referred to the time that she, that she poked his eye out with yep. her sword. <laughs> and also, we got confirmation that Jason and Grail were lovers, so yep. if there was any doubt... <laughs> I really had to think for a minute, because for some reason I, I had it in my head that Diana and Grail were related, but they aren't. I don't think. I had the same um, thought. I was like, "Is that his half sister? He fucked." <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Grail's just part Amazon. That's yeah, yeah. You know, hot people fuck. That's just what happens. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, I find it really surprising that James Robinson. Not only is tasked with finish or bringing back Jason and like continuing his story, but also the dark side stuff, and also the lost Themyscira stuff that Greg Rucka set up. It it seems like an awful lot of importance is being is happening in this book. That's really not getting the execution that it needs. I don't know. I felt like I felt like Rucka set the mascara up 
you know, as you know, Diane's not able to return to it or find it. And like that, that was a major, major piece that Rucka got to put in there. And now we're returning to it. It just doesn't feel quite right. Um, Although I feel like it was always destined to happen, you know, but I know I've said this before, but I feel like there's a new Wonder Woman writer waiting in the wings who wants to do something really different with the character and needed to have all the other stuff tied up before they could do so. And Robinson's a competent writer who's a company man, and they said, all right, listen, here are the six things you have to finish before Marguerite Bennett or whoever takes over the book. So wrap all this shit up so she has a total blank slate to go from. See, and I feel like they're just flying by the seat of their pants right now. It, it doesn't make sense to me how they can be so bad at, like, corporate synergy, where Wonder Woman has a huge film last year, where Supergirl has a well-received TV show, and how they can't have compelling books of those characters all the time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It definitely... I mean, like, flying by the seat of their pants, they, they have to be, because unless we were, you know, kind of misinformed when this run started it was only supposed to last 12 issues and it's now been close to what issue is this is this is this is 44 so we're this has been like 14 or 15 i think this is the 14th issue yeah and And we still have the whole dark gods arc or whatever coming up right See, I feel like I feel like you know, if you thought that there was somebody waiting in the wings before, that that idea had merit, but now at this point, with no end of the Robinson stuff in sight yet that we know of, you're so far away from the Wonder Woman movie. Like you're as far away from Wonder Woman as a movie as you were when Rebirth started. And uh, I'm, I'm not, feel, I feel I'm like not that saying too. it's necessarily going to tie in. I, you know what I'm saying. I, I, I understand your point, but I'm also, yeah. I, I don't mean that it's going to be reflective of the movie at all, just that you want to capitalize on that. Right, that you want a book out there that's that's compelling for people who are looking for a Wonder Woman book. Yeah. I get it. I just, I don't think, I. It's this is weird. I can't believe, first of all, that we've only got one Wonder Woman title and that it's basically being used to tie up loose ends. What, what it, oh man. It's, this isn't Wonder Woman's story. It doesn't feel like Wonder Woman's story anymore. It feels like Jason's story and... Ugh. Yeah, it's... Or Grail's story, almost. You know, even though she's the she's the villain here, this is all um, this is all still like Dark Side War aftermath. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because that book happened over two years ago. 
<laughs> yeah. I um I guess the other thing that's worth noting is that there's also every chance that there's stuff they want to do with Diana that is that hinges on something in Doomsday Clock or something that happened in Metal that they had to wait before announcing the new status quo for Diana until those events were over. Sure. As That's probably about, true, with, with yeah. Lots of things, you know, just the delays fucking up all that stuff. Man, I can't wait for that, the tell-all book that Jonathan Hickman writes one day. <laughs> what, what will it be called? Oh, man. Doomsday Croc? <laughs> and a picture of him in Crocs on the cover? Of course. Um, it will Avocado be toast at lunch, at brunch. There you go. That's as good as we're going to do. The Doomsday Croc story. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we're tired. It's it's late. We're yeah. <laughs> uh, we're spent. Anyway, thank you for listening guys. We have a, we had a lot of fun talking with you about DC Comics this week. Um, make sure to go to multiversitycomics.com, check out our uh, our podcasts, our reviews, our news, everything we have going up every day to entertain you and inform you about the comics world. Uh, you might have heard the commercial on our last podcast, but uh, our, our old friend Matthew Malikoff is doing a, a special um, April-only podcast where he is subjecting one of his co-workers to all the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, even though his co-worker had no interest in watching them. And uh, it's called Marveling at the Movies. It's a lot of fun. So check that out as it's happening in April. And uh, you can follow the three of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App. I'm at Vince Ostrowski. And I'm at SirFox89. And we will be back next week with Action Comics number 1000. And more. Join us then. A happy belated birthday to Vince. And um, good night. Ah, oh, thanks. The trunks are back. On your dementia-laden deathbed, when you forget the name of your <laughs> loved ones, you'll say Tony So, and you'll <laughs> drop a snow globe and die. <laughs>